boy. So, yep, we are live. Oh, my goodness. We've got a couple minutes uh, before the show officially starts. So excited for tonight. Okay. There we go. We've got Bronwyn saying hello. Hi, Bronwyn. Hi. <laughs> I just saw her in my yoga class. Sean says hello. Hi, Sean. Thank you for joining us. Chloe says hi, Janelle. Chloe Webb. Hi, Chloe. <sighs> oh, my goodness. We've got some lovely, lovely people joining us. Wanda Bear Borden. Hello. Yes, I hi, Wanda. Do you know Wanda? I do know Wanda. She's part of, part of my, um, on with my campaign. Oh, wonderful. Hi, Wanda. It's very nice to meet you. We've got Renee Mitchell, Tracy Ashley, Stephanie Uber. Everybody's coming in, wishing you well. Hi, wow. everyone. Thank yeah, thank you, everybody. We, um, we're going to be starting Trans Tuesday in just a minute. We've got Janelle with us. Cindy's going to be with us soon. These ladies did so much to help us go live tonight. I cannot even begin to exclaim. Oh my goodness, we've got Donna Miller, Mary Griffiths White. She is the reason that we met. Mary introduced us. Thank you, Mary. Yeah. Hi, Mary. Hi, Donna. <laughs> Miranda Jones says hello. Georgette Corio. Oh my goodness. Oh wow. All right, it is eight o'clock. We are here. It's time. Welcome, everyone. It's Trans Tuesday, my favorite night of the week. Tonight, we welcome Janelle and Cindy Crossley. Janelle is with us now, and she rearranged her schedule so she could be with us. And Cindy is doing the same. She'll be joining us in about 15 minutes, maybe 30. Uh, so we have this one-on-one -on -one exclusive with Janelle, and then we'll have the two of them together. So, so sweet of them to be joining us. Uh, last week, we broadcast their journey of transition. And tonight we have them live with our audience to answer your questions. They are gonna share the keys to their success of staying married for over 40 years through their transition and the strategies that they've shared. They're gonna share them with you. Um, strategies on how to transition and retain your relationships with your families, your loved ones. These are the ladies to ask um, Janelle and soon Cindy, thank you so much and welcome to Trans Tuesday. Thank you, Cassandra, and thank everybody else for attending. And um, hopefully, we will be able to um, give you a little insight on how you can retain your relationship um, and also navigate your journey at the same time. Oh, I'm excited. And we still have Erica Fremont saying hello, Grace Ferris, um, Beth McKinley. Hi, Beth. Our sponsor of the month. Oh my goodness, look at everyone. So for those of you who are new to Trans Tuesday by My Feminine Heart, we are a sisterhood of all women and those with a feminine spirit. So including, but definitely not limited to cisgendered women, trans women, gender nonconformists, and all those who love sisterhood and may or may not be part of the LGBTQ plus rainbow, come together to share our love, community, and expertise in helping trans women live their best, most authentic lives. 
This community features a weekly interactive online talk show like tonight with interviews of inspiring trans women like Janelle Crossley and experts sharing their advice in all areas of life and lifestyle from beauty, health, wellness, finance, personal safety, and more. Our club members enjoy all the perks of our private Facebook group community, um, exclusive access to our commercial free videos and private workshops and classes. So um, that's a little bit about my feminine heart. I'd like to give a very special thank you to the sponsor of the month, Beth McKinley at Thrivend, who is joining us live. Beth is a really incredible advocate for the transgender community. After a 15 plus year career as a donor advisor for a variety of regional, national, and international charities, Beth began her own financial services practice, specializing in the needs of the LGBTQ community with a special emphasis on helping her clients incorporate charitable giving back to their community and the charities they love. So you can find her link on our website, myfeminineheart.com, or you can reach out to her at 717-500-3509. Thank you, Beth, for being our sponsor of the month. And once again, thank you so much, Janelle, for joining us. We've got a couple other ladies that like to say hi. So Deborah Savage, oh, that's a great name. Um, she says hello from me and Mike. Rami Sargon says, hi, ladies from New Zealand. Ah, and my buddy, Teresa Rupert, uh, Spencer for Hire's favorite person in the world. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> so uh, Janelle, to start, congratulations on being the inaugural recipient of the Kiera Christine Award. Can you share a little bit more about who Kiera was to you and how they created this award in her honor and, and what it means? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, many people on the show tonight know of Kiera. Um, and, you know, she was a very, very um, well-deserved advocate uh, for our community. Um, it all began probably about, well, about two years ago now that um, she reached out to me to help her with her transition. And, you know, I worked with her constantly just about daily on her issues of transitioning and coming out to her family and um, her job. Uh, she was working for UPMC Pinnacle and customer service and she always had all kinds of problems with um, people um, misgendering her because of the tone of her voice and everything and um, you know I kind of coached her on that and one of the things I told her to do is when she answers the phone say you know, hello, welcome to UPMC. This is Miss Kiara Christine DeSantis. You know, always put that um, prefix in there of Miss or Mrs., whatever you want to put in there or Ms. Um, that does help a lot. Um, That's and, yeah, so she started doing that and, you know, her problems went away. Um, so, you know, just continued on um, as far as, you know, me coaching her and helping her with her, her journey coming out and, um, she had trouble, her family wouldn't accept her, support her. And this is a very, very long story. So I'm gonna just, you know, take bits and pieces of it. Um, and she, she came to me and she told me that, you know, she's, she's so sad because her kids won't pay attention to her or, you know, talk with her or even hang with her anymore. And um, her mother wouldn't accept or support her either. So we, did as much work as we could over the phone 
you know, with her on that. Um, but to no, to no avail, it didn't work. So I told her, I said, Kira, I said, I'm going to come up, you know, and I'll meet with you guys. Um, so it's a five hour drive from Pennsylvania, you know, Harrisburg to um, Erie, Pennsylvania. And um, I went up there and Cindy went with me. And I met with the kids and, and talked to them a little bit and explained things of what Kiera is doing and why. Um, and they were kind of iffy. Um, so then I brought Kiera in and all, all of us talked and it ended up at the, towards the end there that they were okay. Um, then it came to the mom and the mom, she was very adamant about, you know, this, this is not real. And, you know, she's Kiera sick, there's something wrong with her and this and that. But um, I sat down with her and I spoke with her for about 30 minutes and, you know, gave her a rundown of, you know, what trans is, you know, how we, how we know we're trans, you know, and, and the whole background of it, uh, you know, but she didn't quite get it yet. So I told her, I said, okay, I said, it's time to bring Kiera in and I did. So it was me, Kiera and her mom. And I told Kiera, I said, you need to tell your mother right now how you feel. You know, tell her what you want her to know about you. And she says, I can't. I said, Kiera, yes, you can. I said, I drove up here for five hours. I said, you will tell her. And um, she just kind of looked at me and got tears in her eyes. And then she did, she talked to her mom and I said, you need to talk to her in a civil way. So she did talk to her mother and the mother's just sitting there like, and I saw, you know, in her eyes, you could see that blank stare, you know, and, um, you know, the mom was scared, you know, and once Kiera got done speaking with her piece, I told Kiera's mom, I said, now you need to talk with Kiera and tell her how you feel about her. So that went kind of back and forth, back and forth. And the mother says, you know, I still don't know if I can accept you. And I told Kiera to leave and I was talking to her mom a little bit more and she said, okay, she says, I want Kiera to come back in. So I went back out and got her. And then um, we talked some more and at the end, you know, they both just got up and hugged each other. And, you know, they were, they were mom and daughter again um, up until Kiera's death. So, um, you know, it, it was a very, like I said, a very, very long um, journey for both of us. Um, and throughout our journey, Kiera kept saying to me, she says, I want to be just like you, Janelle. And she's always called me her trans mom. Uh, so, you know, she's my, uh, you know, trans daughter. Um, so anyway, she, she decided that she had to have surgery. So, and I don't know how many people know the story, but, you know, I'll just give you a short glimpse of it that she wanted top surgery, bottom surgery and face, feminine facial surgery. And I tried to talk her out of all three. I said, Kara, three of them's too much. I said, it's, it's too much for your body. And she said, no, she said, I only wanna go through the pain once. And, you know, I, I, I don't wanna have to endure another surgery after that. And I said, Kara, you can't, don't do it. Well, she, she did it. Um, you know, so Monday she went in, she had her bottom surgery done in the top and she came out of surgery Monday night and she was fine. Uh, they took her in at 6 a.m. I think on Tuesday and did 
facial surgery and it was all downhill from there and she passed away a few days later. Uh, you know, so, um, you know, we thought it was all negligence on the doctor and, and everything else. And, you know, the advocate that I, that I am, you know, I jumped in right away and um, had some investigations and things done. And um, we, just, uh, Department of Health and stuff came to a conclusion that it wasn't really the doctors, it was, um, you know, it's care is adamancy of, you know, wanting to do it all at once, you know, but I have a problem with that, that the doctor should never have done it anyway. Um, you know, they, they should have known a little bit better. So that is ongoing a little bit yet. So, um, but, but on, yeah. as, aside from that, and so very much miss her, she was such a, a, a wonderful person. What I love about your story is all that time that you spent with her, you weren't doing this as a job. You weren't charging her to support her. No, I wasn't. And I don't charge anybody anything. Um, you know, I made a promise to myself 10 years ago when I transitioned and became an advocate that anything that I do for anybody, I will not charge them. Um, you know, I go out and do presentations at schools and universities and businesses and all over the place. Um, and I don't charge anything. Yeah. Um, I was offered money at a couple places. Millersville University offered me $1,500 to speak for 45 minutes. Um, I refused it, but they said, no, we have to pay you. So I did accept it, but I gave that money back to the college for um, tuition for, uh, I think it was $500 for three people. So, you know, I did give it back. But, you know, I will never ever, you know, take any money from anybody um, and I will never say no to anybody and I'll never turn my back on anybody. Um, and I think, you know, most of the people and my friends on Facebook and stuff know that. Well, I know since your, your broadcast last week, people have reached out to you because you, would, you said it's worked. People are reaching out about the broadcast. So thank you so much for being open for that. What I love is how it paid forward because an award wasn't created on Kira's behalf because she was a trans woman who passed away, an award was created because she became a tremendous trans advocate yes. herself. So after you helped her, you spent all that time helping her with her transition and then, and then reconnect with her children and her mother. What did she do on her own that they said, wow, we need to create an award on her behalf? I think one of, her, one of her biggest accomplishments was working with UPMC Pinnacle on policy and procedures for gender identity and expression. Um, you know, she did a lot of education to the company and traveled to Pittsburgh to their main offices um, and, and did a lot of seminars there. Um, she did a lot in her own community also. Um, she was very active in a trans group up there. I think it's called Northwest PA Trans Group or something like that, something like that. But um, she also uh, was big in pride events. Um, you know, she was always afraid to approach people that were in opposition of our community. Um, but I kind of taught her how to do that because that's what I did when I first started my advocacy. I went after all the haters and bigots and sat down and talked with the ones that I could. Um, you know, and my latest, latest being Westboro Baptist Church. But, um, you know, she, she was a very good advocate. And like I said, she always said she always wanted to be just like me. And she was, 
And I can almost guarantee you right now, if she was still living with us, that she would be an awesome advocate and probably better than me or and a couple other people. But um, one thing I do want to mention, though, is, you know, I am not the only one that worked with her. Um, you know, I, I took her on as my daughter. And, you know, her and I were very close, but there were other people that helped her out earlier on. Um, so, you know, I think I got kind of the, the gist of it um, in, in our conversation. So, um, you know, it all worked out very well up until the end. And, you know, she, if she would have survived, she'd been an awesome person and an awesome advocate, um, you know, for all of us. And think yeah. about how much she accomplished while she was with us. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing. So I, I love, you know, we talk a lot on this show about advocacy um, and you are a tremendous advocate, but anybody can do a portion of what you did, not the way that you did it, not to the level that you did it, but anybody can be kind. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody can lend an ear and, you know, the time that you gave Kira with that then multiplied forward in, in the universe, you have made, like you, you are a tsunami of force of good that you have like spread through the communities. It's amazing. Um, and that actually, so the Kira Christine award, you were nominated by what, 50 to 60 people. Yeah. They said they had like close to 200 nominations and about 50 to 60 of them were not for me. Um, you know, so that's, that's awesome. And I want to thank everybody, you know, that might've nominated me that is here today um, for that. Uh, this, this award means so much to me that um, when they called me and told me about the award, um, the people that organized it, which was Department of Health of Pennsylvania, Health and Human Services and the LGBTQ Committee of the Governor, um, they didn't present me the award. They reached out to Kiara's ex-wife and asked her to have the kids offer it to me. Um, you know, so I got a phone call and, you know, the kids told me who they were and I started talking to them and they started reading the, the script that they gave them to read to me and I just, I lost it. You know, I just, I just, I was, I was shocked, you know, and, and to have the kids, you know, present that award to me was just unbelievable. You know, it, it was amazing. And that, that is not, the, you know, I think we've got some bad audio feedback Oh, it just disappeared. Okay. Um, and you actually, you are up for another award, which you are just knocking these down left and right. So you are also nominated for ABC 27 has a um, regional award for you for South Central PA. So it's Remarkable Woman of Central PA. That's it, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And that, that award, they have that, um, I think this is the second year they're having it. Um, and they take nominations for the most remarkable woman in central Pennsylvania on, um, you know, things they do in their community. Um, and also things they do for individuals um, outside of their own um, careers. Um, so, you know, I had quite a few nominations for that and the finale is not, didn't happen yet, but I am in, a, in the top four. Um, you know, running for the um, Remarkable Woman of Central Pennsylvania. So um, we went through a lot of interviews. There's a lot of video that was done. 
so hopefully, you know, we can, you know, secure that award also. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. For us to support you, how best can we do that? Um, can we friend you on Facebook? Will you keep us posted there if there's a nomination process or like a voting process because you're in the top four? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, usually if something like that comes up, I'll usually post it. Um, that I didn't even know was coming up. Um, but one of my dear friends, Lillian Munch, she saw it and um, she, nom she nominated me. And evidently it just went from there on out. Um, you know, so I'm not Thank sure. You, Lillian. How, yeah, I'm not sure um, how many nominations there were for me, but um, there was enough to get me um, at least to the top four. Okay, everyone. So let's gather together, befriend Janelle. Um, Janelle, share the link with us when you can from My Feminine Heart. If you're not already following My Feminine Heart, which if you're on here, you probably are, we will post about it too so we can all vote for you. So, so, so excited. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, you have so much going on. And what I love is, you know, when we talk about advocacy, you give a lot of your personal time, but this is also what you have done with your career. Uh, at what point did you start becoming an advocate in your career? Um, my major career throughout my life was facilities management and property management. And mostly of that was done in healthcare. Um, so I semi-retired about two years ago. And even before I retired, I started doing things in the community. Um, I trend, like I said, I transitioned about 10 years ago and, um, I began my advocacy back then. And I promised myself that, you know, if I could help somebody else not go through something that I did, you know, I want to do that. Um, you know, so I did it and I started reaching out, like I said, to the haters and the bigots and the legislators and, you know, local legislators and things like that, and tried to educate them a little bit on gender identity um, you know, some of them were, were receptive and the majority of them were not. Um, but, you know, at least I was in their face and they knew I existed. And that's what my advocacy, advocacy is all about, um, bringing awareness, visibility, and education to society. Um, you know, so that's, that's my goal. And I re after about, well, maybe about three years ago, I extended my advocacy into bullying and harassment of kids in school. Um, so, you know, I am advocating for kids that are bullied because I was bullied very bad when I was young. Um, and, you know, nothing, nothing burns me up more than seeing a kid getting bullied and beat up. Um, you know, I, I don't tolerate it. You know, I don't care where they're at or what it is. You know, I will stand up for what is right. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm putting myself in harm's way, so be it. And it's happened already. Um, but my advocacy also is directed towards, as of late, probably the past two years, we really, really got involved with um, working with children, um, trans children. And I did some education with the CASA organization. And for those of you that don't know what CASA is, that stands for Court, Court Appointed Special Advocate. And they work with children and youth services on um, cases where um, children use services don't have enough staff, so the CASA person can go out and, and fill in for that. Um, so they make a court appearances and things like that for the family, it's in the kids. So anyway, um, I started educating them and they kind of, I guess, 
initiated me into their program and put me on the advisory committee um, of CASA for gender identity issues with children and their families. Um, so it's not limited to just the kids. We have cases already where uh, the father was transitioning and the kids couldn't handle it. So the kids started you know, acting out. I mean, they started getting mean, they started getting hostile. Um, they started damaging furniture in the homes and stuff like that. Um, the parents were arguing you know, relentlessly and people reported them and children and youth came in and took the kids away. You know, so <clears throat> I kind of, you know, talked to, the, to them about, you know, the signs that, you know, that, to be aware of. Um, and since, since I've started with them, we've, I've been on seven cases now. Um, and I got three of them that I'm working on right now. So, um, you know, those kids are out there and they told me the other day, the one uh, director told me, she said, we never had any idea how many of these kids could be out there. And I said, well, I told you when I educated and educated you guys that they were out there. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very busy with that and I love it. You know, I, I, just, I just love it when, um, you know, I can get these kids help, um, get the mom and dad's help, the foster parents help, um, you know, get them into therapy. You know, I'm, I'm very big believer in therapy, um, whether it's children or adults. You know, I, I, I highly recommend a, a good therapist. Um, Do you have any tips that you give to help people find a good therapist? Um, <laughs> it's hard because there's not that many out there. Um, what I do is um, if I find a therapist, I went down through the, the internet and I found these therapists that say they work on gender, gender in the gender spectrum or gender identity. Um, and I call them up and start asking them a couple questions and they have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, you know, so they're putting it out there just to get this money. So I will not recommend the therapist until I sit down and talk with them. Um, so, you know, I've, I have quite a few in the area now that, um, you know, I will highly recommend and, um, you know, and I haven't never had a problem with anybody coming back or, um, an issue that, uh, they didn't like this person, uh, you know, so you got to be very careful, you know, on, on selecting a therapist, uh, because just for an example, when Cindy and I were, you know, before transition, I went to a therapist down by Philadelphia and she was highly recommended. In fact, she was even with, at Keystone. And so I went to her and I sat there with her for an hour and talked with her and I, and Cindy waited in the car because she didn't want to go out. So I said to the therapist when she was done with me, I said, Cindy's down in the car. I said, would you, you know, mind talking with her? And she said, yeah. I said, well, if I can get her to come up, I will. So I went down and talked to Cindy and she finally, you know, did agree to come up. And we sat there for about 10 minutes and the therapist asked us a couple questions. And she looked at me, the therapist looked at me and looked at Cindy and said, on your way home, your best thing to do is find an attorney. Your marriage is over. Yeah, you know, and that is not a job. That is not the job of a therapist. Oh my God. You know, so, I mean, we bawled our eyes out the whole way home. Um, we both knew it was wrong. Um, so the more I thought about it, you know, I reported her and they took her license from her. You know, she can no longer practice in Pennsylvania. Wow. So, you know, if she did it to me, how many other people could she do it to? 
And speaking. Yeah, so this is the kind of stuff that you really, really have to. Yeah. And speaking yeah, you of. You really have to um, be aware of. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to acknowledge Cindy yes. has joined us. Th Cindy, thank you so much for, for meeting with us tonight. And wow, what a, a, a transition into the story. Um, that I, I did not, we, you know, some of the things when we talk coming alive, they're, they're extra details that we share from the broadcast from the week before, but oh my goodness, Cindy, what was that like for you where you were trying to learn all about what transition is, what this community is, what this means for your future to then have a therapist look at you and say, well, your marriage is over, go get a divorce attorney. It was, it was an unnerving experience. It was difficult. Um, I went into it with expectations. Well, I didn't want to go into it. Janelle talked me to, into going up and meeting the therapist and talking to her. But I went into it with some expectations that probably anyone would when they go in to speak to a therapist, that it would be, you know, non-biased. And it totally blew me away when she looked at Janelle and said, I'm going to be your cheerleader. I'm the one that's going to get you to the finish line. That's to me, that's not what therapy's about. Wow. So, um, you know, you two have stayed together through this. You've been married for over 40 years. Big thumbs up. Congratulations mm -hmm. on that tremendous success. Um, obviously you had hurdles and you had people tell you that you weren't going to, to make it. Does that, when somebody says that, does it make you want to fight harder? I'm a, I'm slightly competitive. So yeah, it does make me want to fight harder. And also, you know, you know, in your heart, if you want to make it or not, if it's something you're willing to overcome in all marriages, there's challenges throughout your marriage. Absolutely. You know, You've been married quite a while. I'm sure you've ran into some challenges too, and you made it through those. Just might be a more bigger challenge than some of the littler challenges. What I love is um, how much you two will team up together when Janelle is doing her advocacy. What is it like for you to come in and handle it like a team where she may be talking to one person, you're, you're talking to other family members? How does that work? How do you lead that? I think it just blends itself to the situation. I, I think each situation is a little unique. So you, you go into it with open mind, knowing that you might have to handle one situation a little bit differently from the other, and it just works. Now, um, since your episode was broadcast last week, uh, Janelle shared that somebody had reached out in particular loving, you have like four tenants that you share about how to make a marriage work through transition. What are those four tenets? Uh, she talking about the communication, the four pillars, so to speak. Yeah. Well, I'll let Janelle jump in and explain those. She's the one who came up with those. So I'll let her talk on that. So this is your invention. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, I don't have a patent though. <laughs> you need but, to write the book. I know, right? <laughs> um, no, throughout my um, journey, you know, like mid, mid um, in my early 30s, late or early 40s, maybe, um, you know, our communications between Cindy and I were not 
there. They were non-existent. Um, you know, I was accused of, of doing things that I was not doing, um, you know, but the more I thought about it, you know, there's got to be a better way. And, you know, I just sat one time and I was thinking about this and I came up with communication, honesty, trust, and respect. You know, they are four pillars that I use that, um, you know, are, you know, it's not a fully full guarantee, you know, to keep your relationship together, but it is one huge step forward and to help you do that. Um, everybody that um, has used our plan, um, I'm not gonna say everybody because there was a couple couples that it didn't work, um, but that wasn't due to the plan, it was due to their own uh, issues. But um, the majority of the times it does work. Um, but communication, honesty, trust and, trust and respect in that order, you cannot have honesty, trust and respect without communication. If you can't communicate, how you, I mean, how do you know if you can be honest with somebody or trust somebody or respect somebody? Um, you need to know. Um, so communication is the number one pillar. And I always put it this way that, you know, you have a roof and the communication pillars in the middle and your other three pillars are on the outside. And if that communication pillar fails, what's gonna happen? That roof's gonna cave in because the other three pillars can't hold it up. So your communication fails, you know, more than likely whatever your, your issue is. And it's not just with um, trans issues or anything, it's with anything. Um, and I practice that in my advocacy, I practice that in my job, you know, and um, you know, they're very, very important words. And, you know, if I can urge everybody to, you know, remember those four words and, you know, throughout your transition, communicate, don't be afraid to speak up and, and talk about it. Um, I know sometimes, and, and Cindy was this way, you know, I wanted to say something and she wouldn't listen and vice versa. You know, she'd want to say something to me and I just, you know, tell her she's full of mud and I'd walk away. Um, you know, but you can't do that. You know, we learned, you know, after too long to, to do that, um, but it worked for us. Um, now, what is something you recommend either of you for a couple where they're like, you know what, I, I don't think we are the best at communication. What is a good way to start that process or to open that door? Um, it's kind of hard to say without knowing the situation that they're in. Um, and that's where, you know, I need to, I need to listen, you know, I need to meet with them. I need to talk with them. I need to listen so that I can decide, you know, which is the best way to go with this. Um, you know, I'm a big person on, you can't judge anybody till you know their story and everybody knows their story. So when I'm working with somebody, I cannot judge, you know, what they're thinking or how they're feeling, you know? So I need to know that background before I can, you know, come up with any other kind of um, alternatives to, to communication if they feel that they can't do it. But the, the thing is, everybody has the ability to communicate. You know, you just have to, you know, dig deep down in and get that ability and pull it out and use it. Um, and nine chances out of 10, if you start communicating and you do it enough, the other person's going to communicate back with you. And it may not be what you want to hear. Um, you know, there's a lot of things I didn't want to hear that get, got thrown back at me, you know, but, um, you know, it really did help. What do you think, right. Cindy? Actually, to open communications, one thing that's worked for myself and worked for several people that I talk to is write a letter. 
sometimes when you're speaking, you end up in an argument because the other person's maybe thinking five steps ahead of you or going down a different path. So I would write letters and I would give Janelle letters and I would leave the room, maybe leave the house. That way she could read it once, twice if she had to, to understand what I wanted to say and not jump to conclusions. And I think that opened a lot of dialogue. I think it really made the communications a bit smoother because you don't know what's going on in the other person's mind when you start to say something and they're all of a sudden getting agitated over something that you just want to sit down and have a heart to heart talk with. Yeah. So I would say try letter writing and give it to the person. Now, what, start. Was, what was next on the list? It was trust is second or respect. Yeah, trust, honesty. Yeah, communication, honesty, trust, and respect. So honesty is next. So you've moved past the communication. You've opened that doorway. The next job is as you're communicating, always be honest with what you're saying. Absolutely. You know, be be straight out, be honest. I mean, it may hurt you. It may hurt your, your spouse or your kids, whoever, but you need to be honest. Um, you know, if you're not honest, I was not honest, you know, throughout most of my journey. And, you know, it came back to bite me. And, in what ways were you not honest? Do you mean like you were um, with yourself? You know, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't tell her everything that I was doing. Um, you know, and yeah, sometimes it's nobody's business what you're doing. But when it, when it comes to the fact that, you know, you have a loved one that, you know, in a family that you adore, um, you know, and that's one thing that was very important to me. Um, and one reason I didn't transition sooner is because my priority was my family. Um, you know, so I learned, you know, through that communication, honesty and, and trust and respect that, um, you know, I needed to learn to be honest with them. Um, and that's not just with Cindy, that was with my daughter also. Um, you know, so, um, you know, honesty goes a long way. Uh, you know, if, if you're honest and, and the person that you're talking to finds out that you are telling them the truth and, you know, you're not lying to them or telling them stories, you know, they're going to trust you more. So um, there's where trust comes in. Uh, so now let me, before we hit trust, let me ask Cindy, Cindy, um, with honesty, you know, so many times we hear in transition journeys that people don't know where they are, especially if, you know, for as long as Janelle had started this process pre-internet, um, you know, inaccessibility to support groups, you know, if she had been more, if she could have been more honest in whatever, in whatever ways that she understood, would you have been open to receiving that information back then? That's a good question. It's a really good question. I, I think everything might have been a little smoother than it was back then. I don't know that I would have been 100% on board with it back then, but I think it would have made things a little bit smoother. There would have been more communication, I believe, and more honesty. Do you feel you had been fully honest in how you were reacting to what was happening? Oh, probably pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean there is a lot of bluntness happening in the house? I can be very blunt. 
<laughs> no holds barred. <laughs> so when, at what point did you feel like, wow, we're communicating, this is great, check. I can feel the honesty here, check. Like, you know, and then does that, you naturally move into trust? Like how long did you feel like you had been communicating and been really honest with each other when the trust had fully formed? I think it took a while. I think the letters were the opening to turning the page, so to speak, where the communication started being more open, more calm. And I think the honesty came into that when there were no more arguments and no more tension. How long was I believing in honesty? I don't know. That took a while to build that trust. You know, so many times trust can be broken easily. So it took, it took a number of years. It wasn't, it wasn't nothing was super quick. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen overnight. Like, like everyone keeps saying with transitioning, it's a journey with rebuilding relationships. It's a journey. So nothing happens overnight. You just have to have some patience. And what about for you, Janelle? Um, I'm, was it, did it take a while to have trust on your end? Like maybe trust that Cindy was going to stay or trust that Cindy would react calmly and patiently to who you were transitioning to? Um, yeah, it took, it took quite a while, just like Cindy said. Um, you know, it takes a while to build up trust for something or somebody. Um, you know, I think everybody can agree to that. You know, it, it, you, get, you get kind of, um, you know, bashed a lot, you know, throughout your life and, and um, you know, things thrown at you, you know, it's kind of hard to return that trust back. Um, but once you start that communication and build that honesty between both of you, that trust begins to build again. Um, you know, and like Cindy said, it's not going to happen overnight. And, you know, another thing is too, we got to realize is we as the trans person that is transitioning, um, it's not all about us. Um, I always, I always tell people this, that, you know, our journey is hard. Our journey is very, very hard. And our journey, you know, is scary and hurtful at many times. Um, but, if you stop and think about it, once you decide you're transitioning, you kind of look down that tunnel and you see a dim light. Um, whereas our loved ones and our spouses and our friends, they look down that tunnel and they don't see a light at all. You know, so that's one thing we need to remember. And, you know, that's one big reason why we need to communicate because they have no idea. You know, they're by themselves. You know, they think they're all alone and which pretty much they are. Um, you know, until they can find help and, and resources, um, you know, because we tell them, you know, I've, I've talked to her many times about different things. And, and you know, I didn't know what I was talking about, you know, um, you know, and maybe some of the stuff I didn't. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it just, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but it needs to happen. Well, I think... Oh, anyone that sees the two of you speak together sees the shared respect that you have for one another. And we, you know, I, I don't think anyone can listen to the two of you talk without understanding how much you love each other and how hard you fought to stay together. In fact, one of our sisters is writing in Bronwyn. She literally is writing, 
I did not love my ex enough to stay married. And I'm sure that, you know, there's times when you were counseling couples, not as official counselors, but just as, as you, as human beings out there to help whoever needs help, um, that you, you know, are there times when you saw marriages and families where you thought there's no way these, these old guys will make it and they stay together or, you know, you think, yes, this, these two are going to make it. And then they decide to part, you know, what has been that, that experience? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it happens a lot and, you know, but that's not a deterrent for me, you know, cause I'm always, a, I'm always a type of person that, you know, I was always taught to never give up and, you know, I do not give up. So I will keep on that until I know for a fact it's not going to work or they tell me to get out. Um, you know, and like I said before that, you know, not everybody, it's not going to work for everybody. Um, you know, and there's different things in different people's lives that will keep them, you know, from, um, you know, uh, loving each other for whatever reason. And, you know, it, it's, I don't know, everybody's different, you know, and every time we work with somebody, it's a different, a completely different uh, journey that we're doing. Cindy, what has it been like for you? Have you had unusual experiences where, have there ever been something that somebody said to you that really surprised you or you thought, wow, this is something that could really help somebody else when you're talking to the spouses or you're talking to the families? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there, well, you put me on the spot there, but yeah, I'm, <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'm sure there has been in the past, you know, with talking to spouses they have different ways of dealing with things as I had different ways, like using the letter. I can't think of anything on the spot here because you just put me on the spot, but yeah, I'm sure that um, everyone has their own way. Someone once said to me, they, they don't draw a hard line. They draw a line in the sand. So that line's going to move. So maybe this week, this month, at this moment in time, there was something they couldn't deal with that the, spouse was doing, maybe the transition was going too quickly for them. Maybe they didn't feel like they were in communication enough. So they'd work on that. Now their boundaries changed a little bit. They're caught up. One's not getting too far ahead of the other. So uh, when the spouse said to me, I have a boundary in the sand, that boundary moves as they transition together. And that's why I feel like, you know, when you two shared your story, it's not just Janelle's transition, your entire relationship together is, is transitioning as well. Well, every, well, it's not just your relationship. It's even the relationship outside of you. It's the world that you live in is transitioning with you as well. Your coworkers, the dog groomer, people you interact with as a couple, they're transitioning as well with you. Is there ever a point where you feel like we're done Nobody asks questions anymore. We're, we're post-transition. This is just us, Janelle and Cindy now, and everybody in our circle knows, and we're all there. Have is there? Do you ever get to that point? Yeah, yeah. That's why I say it's easier once you're on the other side and everyone knows you're just back to normal again. And it's no flipping between names and messing up who's your talking to and using wrong pronouns and that type of thing. You're just now who you are. You're the couple you are, and that's how the world perceives you. And I, it's much easier once you get to the other side. 
I think that's going to offer so much hope to so many people is, you know, it's like Janelle was saying, she said, you know, if you're the person transitioning, you start to see that light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. long before everybody else does. Right. But to know that you've gotten to that light as well, you've crossed over, you're on the other side and you're here to kind of hold the hands of others behind you. That's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. Uh, so, you know, when we talked in the broadcast back to Janelle, one of the stories that really um, I, I loved. And so for anybody who saw the trailer from your, from your clip, um, they've solved this, uh, a microcosm of the story that Janelle, you helped somebody who's Amish transition. That's just phenomenal. And then be accepted by her community. That is tremendous. That's why you're winning awards. I mean, right there. What an advocate. Yeah. And that, you know, and that, that goes along with what I said earlier, you know, I will work and help anybody. Um, I will not turn or turn my back on them. And this, this evolved from a, an English person, people in our, in our uh, sector of life that reached out to me and asked me if I'd help on their friends transition. And I said, absolutely. And we were on vacation. I said, you'll have to wait till I get back and then you know, we'll sit down and talk. Um, so to make a very, very long story short, this took me a year and a half to make this happen. Um, you know, I, I met with this person that was transitioning and <clears throat> it was an Amish male. And what he would do was be sneak away from his Amish community and go to this friend's house that contacted me and be her true self. Um, so I met with the friend quite a few times to get a background. And then I ended up meeting with um, the, the girl that transitioned. Her name is Amity and I will use that name. Um, so I met with her quite a few times and you know, tried to find out where she was and where she wanted to go, um, what her, her ideals were you know, for you know, the future for her. Um, you know, so we talked and we talked and she told me she says, I hope you can do something, Janelle. She said, and it was very hard for me to understand her because they got broken English. Um, so, you know, we it, it took me a while to figure out what she was saying, but she told me flat out that if we couldn't make this happen, she would take her own life. Um, you know, so that put extra burden on me because I thought, okay, if I don't make this happen and she does that, how am I gonna feel? Um, but I had to read, uh, reconditioned myself to the fact that um, if that did happen, it wasn't my fault. You know, I did what I could do. Um, You know, would I be heard about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, But, you know, I did all I could do for it. But anyway, um, that didn't happen. Um, I started meeting with, uh, the first thing I had to do was meet with the bishop of the the church. Um, And he had three districts. So I met with the bishop the first day and I knocked on the door and this guy was a giant. Um, I knocked on that door and I stood there and he opened the door and I was looking straight at his crotch. That's how big he was. And I looked up and I said, hi, (laughs) Um, you know, and I told him who I was, why I was there. And um, the first thing he said to me was, we don't condone homosexuality. And, you know, that was a trigger right there for me that, you know, I had to get into the home and and do some education. Um, So he did invite me in and we were in there for almost two hours talking. No, wait, can I stop you real quick? When you talk about education and you're talking to somebody where that is their first um, hand up, 
Do you take pamphlets with you? Do you take scientific research? What is it that you share that can convince somebody um, this is not homosexuality, this is what this is? What do you share with them? Um, I don't share any kind of pamphlets or, or literature like that. It, it all comes from me. Um, I found out through my advocacy, if um, more people are apt to listen to you as a person than, than read something off of a piece of paper. Um, you know, if they ask for any kind of literature or anything like that, I do have it with me and I will, you know, gladly give it to them. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I do everything, you know, by myself and, and out my own mouth. Um, you know, so um, the first thing I had to do was telling me, you know, you know, homosexuality and gender identity are two different things. Um, you know, gender and sex is two different things. So I had to explain all that stuff and it took more than one meeting. Um, but as time went on, you know, I had to meet with the members of the church and I had to meet with the uh, ministers um, and things like that. And then I met with um, all the congregation of all three districts individually, not each, not each individual person, but each individual district and told them what was happening, that there was an individual within their community that, you know, their gender identity is not what they were um, biological sex was born as. Um, and then I explained it a little bit more to them and um, it was open for questions. And, you know, we had a lot of questions, um, but it all boiled down to the end. Um, like I said, this can go on for hours. <laughs> um, so it all boiled down to the end that um, I united, um, Amity came out to her parents and I was there when it happened. Um, the mom cried. The first thing the dad said was, well, who's going to do your chores? You know, because the, the Amish people, they don't have kids for the reason we do. Um, their kids are their workers. Uh, you know, so um, they're, they're treated completely different. Um, you know, their love for each other is strong, very, very strong. Um, but, you know, then the mother started came over to me and hugging me and crying and, and things like that. But it all worked out that um, she was accepted by her family. Then we came out to the Amish community of the three districts. And, you know, we didn't have a problem with that at the, at the start. Um, when I met with all the people from the districts, there was two families that were not there. And they started uh, some issues within the district and the church, especially on Sunday, um, about this, um, about Amity. And the minister reached out to me and asked me if I would meet with these two families. And I said, yes. So I did. So um, he, he got us together. We had the meeting and I kind of didn't feel comfortable when I left there that they understood what was going on because I don't think they wanted to. Um, so they left the meeting and they continued doing what they were doing, harassing the people and the family and, and making fun of them. And I found out that the uh, bishop found out and he shunned them from the church. Um, so they're no longer in, in that district. Um, they were kicked out. So um, the bishop actually rewrote the ordinance, which is a rule book that gender identity and, and expression is accepted and supportive in his three districts. So that'll be in there forever, you know, unless another bishop would, you know, change it. So my thing is, if the Amish can accept and support us, what's wrong with our people? Yeah. So 
when you were uh, working with the community, the last step was Amity coming out to her parents. You were working on behalf of somebody they didn't know. Like you were there, like I know of somebody in your community who needs help. I'm not telling you who they are until we resolve that they can come out. Yeah, how, exactly. How long of a period of time was that that Amity was holding on for this? Um, I'm going to probably say four to five months. Wow. Yeah, before we we had everything finalized that she was ready to come out. Um, you know, I left her make that decision. So, um, you know, that that's her. She knows when the time is right. And, um, you know, I left her make that decision and we did it. So, but yeah, I mean, it worked. Do you see yourself going into more Amish communities now that this might be like a call that's spread out amongst the other districts? Yeah, I mean, if it gets out there and the word gets to me that somebody needs help, you know, I'll be there. You've now written the playbook. This is how you do it. This is how you talk to the bishops, you've talked to the congregations, you make it all work. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. So um, what is up next for, for both of you, starting with you, Janelle, what is up next for you? I know we have your award that we're all gonna vote on if we're allowed to vote for the ABC 27 um, Remarkable Women of the Year Award. Um, I think the next thing for me is um, I'm gonna continue my advocacy and I will do that until I put six feet in the ground. Um, also, uh, I am running for state representative for the second time in 2022. Um, I ran last year. We were not successful, but we did very well. Um, you know, and you be the first trans woman who was out to run for PA state office, correct? Right. That's correct. Yes. Yes. And then we were also inducted into the rainbow wave of the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. So that was an honor, too, that I wasn't expecting. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, what I'm looking forward to and, and spending time more, more time with, um, you know, Cindy and my daughter and the grandkids, um, you know, and just living life as, as, as full as we possibly can. Yeah. And for you, Cindy, what do you see for the future for the two of you advocacy wise or just for fun? I'd like to continue helping spouses on a one-on-one -on -one basis, not necessarily in a group base like I had several years back, but on one-on-one. -on -one. And I'm looking for maybe a little bit of a career change and a little more free time. Uh, so, and we didn't mention that, but you did used to be very involved with um, Trans Central PA and their spouse support groups. Yes. If, if, if you'd like to work with spouses one-on-one, -on -one, what is the best way for a spouse to get in touch with you? Uh, they could Facebook message me. I believe you have my email address. You could share that with them as well. So yes. they could private message me through um, Facebook or they could just send me an email. Um, so I'll have your information. If anybody reaches out to me, I'll pass it along for um, anybody out there, you can find Janelle Crossley and Cindy Crossley on Facebook. If anybody has any difficulty finding these two amazing people, you can always reach me through My Feminine Heart and I will help connect you because I can't imagine two people more giving of themselves and their time. Um, you know, time is one of our most precious commodities and I can tell you two don't waste it at all. You are out changing 
the world for so many people in large, large ways and, and, and small. And it's just, it's so beautiful. Thank you both so very much for your time this evening. Um, There's one thing, Cassandra, I'd like to point out, and that is, um, you know, whatever Cindy talks to somebody else about, that's very confidential. I don't even know about it. Um, and I don't want to know about it. So I want to make everybody know that um, everything is confidential. If somebody's spouse would work with Cindy, you know, I don't know anything about it, um, you know, because I don't want that to happen. You know, I, I, it, it causes too much conflict and um, I don't need to know. But confidentiality is, is very important to both of us. And, um, you know, I can guarantee you that, you know, whatever said will stay with those two people. That's tremendous. Such beautiful hearts. And we had so much love coming into you through this episode. I think that you spoke so beautifully. We didn't have a lot of questions tonight um, because you know you you shared everything so well. Um, and your story is just wonderful. So as we're talking this evening, if you have not already, club members of My Feminine Heart can watch their episode that was broadcast last week. Um, and anybody can listen to it for free across any of our platforms. We're on Anchor, Google, Spotify, Apple, The Works. You can listen to their story. You can hear more about Anity and more about their life together. Janelle and Cindy's, you know, their courtship, how they met, and then the, the span of the marriage and the transitioning through together. Um, but I want to make sure that everybody has wanted to say hello, can, can say hello. We have uh, Ruby saying hello, Marina's saying hello. Um, when you were talking about Amity, Donna Needles knew was like, this is great. Um, if you don't know Donna, she's a life coach. So you do would have a lot in common. She, I think she really tries to help a lot of people too. Um, you know, just amazing. Teresa Rupert says, thank you for all that you are doing. Uh, Janelle and Cindy from Rami, you you both are just amazing. Just a lot of amazings and a lot of love coming in. Um, very much want to thank you both so much for taking your time this evening. You are two wonderful, amazing people because, you know, I know it wasn't easy. I mean, it was so not easy. You developed your own pillars for success. You created your own action plan but you're so giving of yourselves that you you are out sharing it with the world. And I do hope you turn it into a book because I would really enjoy reading about that. So, um, so for everybody else, I want you to know um, next week, we have a live episode, but it's for our club members only. So our we will have Trans Tuesday Live, but to our private Facebook group, not the public Facebook page. Um, last week we had our club members, they voted on what workout they want next from coach Meg, and they gave a resounding vote for a full body sculpt workout. So next Tuesday, we have a workout at eight o'clock with coach Meg. If you would like to join in the zoom, I need you to sign, um, a liability waiver. Uh, you'll be in the zoom with Meg. So she'll coach you in the big group fun workout class, but she will be the only one on camera. Um, if you don't want to be in the Zoom, you can follow it on the Facebook live stream to our private page. And then later, of course, it'll be recorded and out for all the club members to watch on demand. And anybody will be able to listen to it. So you might pick up some uh, tips and tricks from Coach Meg on how to sculpt the body. Um, so the following week, we are back for our live broadcast for Trans Tuesday on our public page. And we will be joined by elite voice coach, 
Anna Lantry of True Voice Lessons. So that's going to be a really phenomenal episode. That'll be March 2nd, 8 p.m. on our public Facebook page right here where we are tonight. We will be back on the 2nd with Anna Lantry. So excited for that. Thank you both again so much for this evening. So much love to you. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch their story, I highly recommend it because we only touched on a few of the stories tonight. There's so much beauty and depth to these two and who they are as people and who they are for each other. It's It's been a pleasure to get to know you both. And thank you to Mary White for introducing us. So. Yeah, I just want to thank everybody, you know, for coming and listening to us. Um, and please reach out if uh, you need anything. You know, we're here. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Good night. We love you. Club members, if you want to join in the workout next week on the Zoom, send me an email. I'll get you the liability waiver. Everybody else, we will see you the following week with Anna Lantry. Good night, everyone. Bye. Night. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.